Hello and welcome to episode two of the Racer Nation podcast. My name is Sawyer Lawson. I'm one of your co-hosts on the Growing Racer Nation podcast network. Here with me live on the campus of Murray State University is the best dressed man in all of Racer Nation, Mr. Logan Foster. And also broadcasting live from the heart of the Missouri Valley Conference, the Big Cow Trivia all-time champion, Mr. Austin Blakely. Gentlemen, the time of this recording, we're exactly 26 days from the start of Racer basketball season, and there's no better way to get everyone prepared for that start than to take a deep dive into what it looks to be a tremendous and challenging non-conference schedule. After we move through the schedule, we'll send you all out quickly uh, with a recruiting update and this week's Saw Selection. Before we get started, we wanted to give a huge shout-out to all of Racer Nation for the engagement and support in Episode 1. We're thrilled that you all enjoyed, and we hope to make hope to grow and make every new episode more engaging and bring a ton of fun. We have listenership from almost half the states in the U.S., along with two countries halfway around the world. So that means a ton to us and truly shows the massive footprint in the Racer Nation, which absolutely fires us up. So Austin and Logan, I know you want to, guys want to say a big thank you to our listeners before we jump into the schedule. So Logan, I'll kick it over to you, and you can kick it over to Austin and get us started. Yeah, guys, we had a great first week. Um, heard from a lot of people that they enjoyed the podcast, which is good to hear. It was uh, definitely as fun for some other people as it was for us, it seems. And um, I haven't ran this by you guys yet, but I want to start my own little segment called the Logan's Listener of the Week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just giving (laughs) a shout out to uh, some of our fans out there. And and the first listener of the week that I want to give a shout out to is Murray's own Barry Pascal. Barry, we heard you're listening and, you know, I miss seeing you, buddy. Um, and can't wait to uh, see you at the racer games here in about a month. Looking forward to cheering on the racers this season with you. So this first week's listener of the week is Barry Pascal. Congrats, Barry. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Congratulations, Barry. Uh, be looking for the prize pack in the mail. Just kidding. <laughs> We're not sponsored. Uh <laughs> Yes, we are. <laughs> we just don't know it yet, right? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Oh man, well, that's awesome. Yeah, just the the uh, the response we got was was great, honestly, and I was shocked. Um, I really thought about ten people would listen, and half of those people being um, our significant others, if we were lucky. Um, but uh, we 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 far succeeded that, and appreciate all the great feedback on online and. Um, I know you guys want more and we're going to keep it rolling. And uh, I think we probably got kind of lucky um, and this wasn't even on the outline that we, we came up with or I, you know, we came up with prior to the show, but I think we got kind of lucky. We released the podcast on Thursday and Thursday night, um, some news dropped about the Missouri Valley conference. So I'm sure that really sparked people's interests and in, uh, what we had to say and, we really pushed a lot on Twitter and stuff and, and got some really great engagement from everybody. So we really appreciate that, which we're not we're not going to really dive into that anymore. I think we kind of said everything we wanted to say about that topic last episode. So um, if you want to hear our views on the Missouri Valley Conference and, and where we kind of stand on that and the racers going forward or or any other conference for that matter, the OVC, please check out episode one. That's a little shameless plug for episode one. If you guys missed out on that, if you're just kind of hopping in on this on this episode but moving along like Sawyer said uh we want to we want to focus this episode we're you know three four weeks from racer basketball and so to kind of keep our schedule of rolling one podcast out a week uh we we've got a few topics we want to talk about and so this first one we want to 
hit the schedule, um, mainly the non-conference schedule. That's where we want to focus on. And once we get closer to conference season, we can really dive into that. Honestly, if we if we hit the non-conference and the conference schedule, we're probably looking at a two-hour-long episode that uh, probably I myself don't even want to listen to all the way through. So uh, we're going to hit the highlights. I know there's been a lot of um, questions about the non-conference schedule. Uh, to me, it's very either we're playing really, really good teams or um, teams that are maybe you had to Google to see where they were at. Uh <laughs> Like for me, Tennessee Wesleyan, but we'll we'll get into that. Um, Sawyer's done a lot of really great research on all these teams, so he's going to have a lot to say about um, about this non-conference schedule. But uh, rolling into rolling into it, November first on a Monday night, we're playing an exhibition game. We've got Brescia coming into the bank. Um, we we play them quite a bit. It seems about every year, and they're good tuning up. Uh, you know, that's a good good game. You can clear the bench. Everybody can play. Um, kind of get to see some of the freshmen and. Things like that. Then uh, just a short eight days later, November 9th on a Tuesday, our first, I guess you could say, real game against Cumberland. I'm out of Tennessee. That is a doubleheader with the women's team, actually. And then just four days after that, on a Saturday, November 13th, probably the first real home game, Bellarmine. Bellarmine out of um, Louisville, right? Or Yeah, out of Louisville. Um, that's a Saturday at the bank. Sawyer, tell us a little bit about Bellarmine, what we can expect from them. Yeah, Bellarmine, this this might be my favorite, like not power five game on the schedule, just because it's the first big one. Uh, we're really going to be able to see what we've got right out of the gate. Um, but Bellarmine is a is a is a tested and, and a veteran club that will really be able to give us a measuring stick on as to what we can look forward to for the rest of the season. So. Looking at a little bit at uh, what Bellarmine was like last year, they finished the season 14-8. and eight. They lost in the A-Sun Championship in their first uh, year of being eligible to qualify for postseason play after moving up from D2. Um, they lost to Stetson 73-70, so they were one possession away from going to the NCAA tournament in the first year wow. they were eligible. Um, big time. So they went on to play in the CBI. Um, they won a game there, um, which was very impressive um, for them. Uh, looking at their roster, three out of their top four scores return. Um, they're led by dynamic point guard um, Dylan Penn. Um, who, who can really uh, get the offense going. Their head coach has a lot of respect from a lot of coaches around the state. Scott, uh, Mr., uh, coach Scott Davenport, he's a legend at Bellarmine. He's amassed a lofty win total of 378 wins with a win percentage of 76.3 lifetime as a head coach. Hard wow. to find. Hard to find. Yeah. Um, Holy cow. That's almost like us coaching, coaching Little League basketball. That's right. That's right. Against Logan's teams. <laughs> well, hey, the Knights – the, <laughs> the Knights have, guys, listen to this, a gauntlet of a non-conference schedule to open the season. They start out playing Purdue on the road. They play us on the road. They go out west and play St. Mary's, Gonzaga, UCLA, and Central Michigan on the road. Then they come back and play West Virginia, and that's all before December. Oh, my Purdue, gosh. Purdue, State, St. Mary's, Gonzaga, UCLA, and West Virginia before December. Um, so, you know, just thinking about it, they must be big into the keto diet because there are no cupcakes on their schedule this year. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, honestly, it's, it's props to them. Props to them for working that and getting that schedule because, I mean, UCLA is going to be a preseason top 10 team. Gonzaga is Gonzaga, obviously. West Virginia is probably going to be a really i mean they're power, power five no and it's wow that's that's extremely and the racers obviously 
And uh, Purdue to start the season. I mean, man. And Purdue, yeah, yeah. That's pretty impressive from Bellerman. And just to jump, you know, we talked a lot about last episode um, how Belmont made the jump uh, to Division One back in late '90s, and the the track they they were they've been on the last 20 years. I think Bellerman set up for the same success. Uh, obviously, had a lot of success in D2, and like you said, one possession away from going to the NCAA tournament in their first year. That's that's great, and uh, you know, kind of sounds like the Rick Bird thing. They've got their coach that's stuck with them a long time. That's really, really driven them, driven them to the heights that they're at now. And uh, I mean, the the market they have there uh, in, in Louisville with a big city. That's I can I can see them being on the same trajectory. Um, don't yeah, think I mean, they'll go I, to the OVC. One of my though. notes on this was, you know, what are your thoughts on Bellarmine as a program, just in your all's eyes, and then. In my opinion, I thought they would have been a great potential addition to the OVC a few years ago if the OVC was, you know, in that process of being, you know, a little more forward thinking into trying to add schools. Bellarmine and Northern Kentucky, you know, being so close together would be perfect travel partners um, to be to have been to 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 recruit to add to the OVC. Uh, how did you how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I think you know we usually just play Bellarmine at the beginning of the year and. Um, it's almost like you guys have mentioned a tune-up game that we can get into before we start playing D1 schools. But, you know, recently it's – you find out that they're more than that. They're not your typical Kentucky Wesleyan or Tennessee Wesleyan, Brescia. They're they're a little bit better than that. And so, yeah, I, I think that um, our Lord and Savior, Beth DeBosch, here a few years ago should have um, – <laughs> Should have been a little bit more forward thinking, I would say, and uh, and look to add rather than subtract teams from the the league. And like you guys said, Northern Kentucky and Bellarmine would have been a a great pair. Yeah, two two really big missed opportunities there. So um, Bellarmine, like you said, saw a very good test early at home. Not a huge name per se, but I think their brand of basketball and uh. I think it could be a lot closer game than people think just because the racers are going to come off a two, one ex, true exhibition game, really probably two true exhibition games, um, not so much for the schedule. And then you've run into a veteran team that's got uh, pretty, pretty good, pretty good experience. And the racers are going to be fairly young at some positions. So uh, three days later on a Tuesday, going to travel up north to normal Illinois, Illinois State. Always a really good game. Has been the last few years. Uh, one of the better home games in the last few years. Illinois State at home. Uh, Jonathan Stark hits the three with you know seconds left to to beat them, and uh, that was that was a lot of fun. John ja Morant in the house. I think we all remember that. That was about the only high point of that year. <laughs> but we don't have to talk about those dark days um, back in uh, 2017, but or 2016, I guess. Uh, but Illinois State, um, potential future conference foe, but uh, who knows? But to, uh, this year they're just uh, another team on the non-conference schedule. So I'll take it away with Illinois State. Yeah, great, great intro, Austin. Uh, they finished seven, seven and eighteen last year. Um, the Racers beat them at home last year, as we all remember, seventy-six to sixty-five. Um, the Racers had huge games from Tevin Brown. Uh, KJ Williams and Juice Hill. Juice Hill, 15 and 6 in that game, really showed us what he can do. Um, just absolutely tore them up a little bit. Um, after they, after we played them, you know, they really struggled the rest of the year. You know, the way they finished in dead last in the Missouri Valley, um, and 
you know, if, when you think of Illinois State in 21-22, you need to think about guard play. Um, they have two future. They have two starters returning, highlighted by sophomore guard uh, Antonio Reeves. He looks he looks to be a per, uh, premier guard in the Missouri Valley uh, as a sophomore. Um, they also have a, a solid bench piece uh, coming back in the form of um, former racer recruit, which we're going to talk about that a lot. Um, different different teams have former racer recruits. This one being Howard Fleming Jr. out of Mayo High School, uh, who's coached by a racer alum and a friend of the program, um, Coach Tim Hayworth. Um, so a lot of, uh-huh. lot of a lot of ties there. Um, but aside from those two, um, the racers uh, will, t- will they take on a familiar face in the OBC uh, from the OBC and transfer um, from Tennessee State, Mark Freeman. Um, Freeman, who was also a former racer recruit, um, filled <laughs> up the stat sheet in the OBC last year. He averaged 17 points per game. Um, and the former racial recruit posted 22 points against us last year. Um, we beat them by 20 at the bank. So um, a lot of familiar faces, um, a lot of new players. Um, Mark, Mark Freeman, you know, he played really, really well against us last year. If they have um, the bigs to, to, to play with us, you know, that's going to be a close game, regardless of what their, what their record looks like. Yeah, we kind of talked about this last episode with any time we play at Missouri Valley School, their physical games, their tough games. And they're probably going to be close, especially going on the road up to Normal, Illinois on a on a Tuesday night. That's that's not a easy road trip, five six hours from from Murray. Um, but hey, they might as well get used to it now because might be what we're doing next year. So uh, I'm excited for that one. Uh, anytime we can play, we can play another major school like that. That gets me excited. All right. So after Illinois State, um, take a trip down south to. Naples for the Naples Indiv- uh, Invitational. Uh, not a not a bad not a bad list of schools there. Uh, guaranteed a, uh, at least three games, which is really nice that week of Thanksgiving. So first one Monday, November twenty second, guaranteed East Tennessee State, a school from the state just south of us, but we have to travel all the way all the way to Naples to play them. But that's all right. I'm just kind of glad, and that's all you may want to dive more into to East Tennessee as as a team but i just want to say i'm i'm just glad we're playing in a, a thanksgiving tournament because they used to be we that was a something we did every year and that was really great for us would always get us good non-conference scheduling and good te- most most mostly good teams and uh it's been kind of absent the last few years but getting back in the naples in- invitational going down south for uh, the week of thanksgiving playing east tennessee yeah absolutely i think that's that's awesome to be included in some of those. I mean, obviously, the, the best one we were ever a part, were, a part of was the Charleston Classic. Um, if we would knock mm-hmm. off Colorado in that championship game, the trajectory of the rest of that season dramatically changes. Um, with uh, Cannon and Daniel's senior year, uh, didn't nearly end the way we wanted it to, but, you know, you win that game, you're looking at being uh, ranked in the top 25, and uh, I think a lot of things change at that point. Yeah. Um, but looking at Tennessee State, they were 13-12 and 12 last year. They finished fifth in the SOCON. Uh, they lose the loss in the semifinals in their conference tournament. Um, they got a brand new head coach, Desmond Oliver. Um, Austin, you may know him, a former Tennessee assistant coach. I uh, had Raven reviews from um, Coach Barnes there. Um, and another another instance where there's a lot of uh, former names that racer fans will know. Um, their two best players returning from last year go by the name uh, the last name of Brewer, Ladarius and Ty. Um, so I know uh-huh. you guys remember Ladarius being um, a transfer from SEMO, uh, but after the firing of Rick Ray, he he left and went to ETSU. Um, I know we all talked about it. We were like, man, that, that Brewer, Brewer kid, he looks like somebody we'd love to have as a freshman. Um, yeah. and, uh, he averaged 16-5 and five last year. Um, and also another uh, key returner for them, another former racer recruit, David Sloan. 
um, from Louisville. He started his career at Kansas State. Now he's the point guard um, for ETSU. Um, and he averaged almost 10 points a game last year. So um, they're another team that's going to have a lot of veteran guards because they also brought in uh, through the transfer portal Jordan King, who's a transfer uh, point guard from Siena, started there last year and averaged 12 points a game. So um, they also added a transfer from Wichita State, a big man. So, you know, completely new look. We know we're playing them early, so we might, they, you know, they may not be gelling as far as the, the, the team chemistry, but um, it's going to be it's going to be a hard, hard fought contest. Um, and you can expect, you know, uh, like we said, with, with East Tennessee, you can expect a tough physical play um, with great guards, exactly the same kind of teams that Tennessee's had in the past. He's, uh, their coach is coming straight from there. So um, another battle and a team that I think can have a lot of success this year, which will be great for um, our RPI um, down down the end of the road. Yeah, I think I think you're right about having veteran guards. We've seen it time and time again. Um, every time we have good teams, what do we have? And that's that's veteran guard play, and that's huge at the mid-major level for sure. Now, Logan, you got you got plane tickets down to Naples for Thanksgiving, or are you gonna watch that one on TV like the rest of us? Uh, I don't, but apparently you do, um, because on Twitter, I don't know if you saw this, but um, somebody's fiance, please, uh, said that Austin would be taking her down to the Naples Invitational to watch the racers, and I'm just glad that. We can have some representation for the podcast down at the Naples Invitational that week. Um, Really kind of seeing how we perform against tested other good mid-major programs. Um, So thank you, Austin, for, you know, not making the sacrifice because it's not a sacrifice to go down to Naples, but um, just volunteering to to take Brennan down there and, and watch the racers for us. So well, I, haven't, one for the team. I haven't, yeah, I haven't told you guys, but I'm actually using funds from the podcast to, uh, to make that trip. So, you know, all the, all the money, all the sponsorship dollars whoa, whoa, that whoa, are whoa, whoa. rolling in with, with all the listens, that's, that's paying for the trip. So, um, hope you, hope you guys are okay with that. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> rolling on from the Naples, uh, Naples invitation, just some other teams we can play. We're not gonna, we're not gonna dive into any of these schools, but, um, that second day on Tuesday, either getting Missouri State or Long Beach. Missouri State, obviously, another um, another Missouri Valley school. That would be great to play. And then Wednesday, you either get Kent State, um, James Madison, Wright State, who we've had some history with the last few years and some good battles with, or George Washington. So um, pretty pretty good pool of teams right there. I don't think anybody's sad about going to down, going down to Naples that week of Thanksgiving. There could be a lot, a lot worse, a lot worse things to do. So coming back after, I want to say this. Yeah, talking about the Thanksgiving tournaments, I'm just I'm just gonna whisper this to you guys, just kind of under the radar, okay? This is a little secret between us and the listeners. You know, when we get our facilities upgrade to the bank, don't you think that the bank would be a pretty pretty nice spot to host all these teams? You know, we're centrally located in the U.S. You know, we got the facility for it. We've got the, the the practice facility to host all these teams. Hey, just a just a little thing to keep. Just to look out for. I think that'd be a great idea. I know um, between the Lawson and the Foster resident residents, they would host any teams for Thanksgiving dinner. So uh, I know I know uh, the turkeys will be flowing. So uh, I don't think that's a bad idea at all, especially after we get we get some facility upgrades for sure. So coming back after Thanksgiving, that next Monday we've got Campbellsville at home. Uh, 
not a very attractive game, but a home game nonetheless. And that wraps up the November schedule. Uh, rolling into December, the first Saturday in December, December the 4th, welcoming in Middle Tennessee um, to the bank on a Saturday night at 7 p.m. Uh, we've had some really good games, some lopsided games with Middle Tennessee both ways. They've We've whooped their butts and they've whooped our butts, depending on, you know, if they, they had. Of course, that was back in the Kermit Kermit days, and uh, he he was a he is a heck of a coach. But um, they've they've been down the last year or so. Um, so are they going to be rebounding this year? That it's going to be another tough year for the uh, for Middle Tennessee. Well, I hope they're going to be down on December fourth because we owe them a whooping. Um, last year they absolutely destroyed us um, on the first Wednesday in September, seventy eight sixty one at the Murphy Center. Um, the racers in that game, you know, were led by uh, now South Carolina guard Chico Carter Jr. He only had 11, 13 points, um, and you know the racers were bit big time by the turnover bug, and they coughed it up 18 times. So um, we've gone, we've grown a lot since then. I think that that all of us can can attest to that. Um, and, and I think the reason for that 15 and uh, the Middle Tennessee finished five and 18 last year after they played us, so not a great not a great record. But the reason for that is they fought injuries all year. So their their top scorer was out. He tore his ACL shortly after playing us. Um, they had some other guys with broken hands, broken broken feet, you know, just things of that nature that uh, that will sideline them a lot. They only have one newcomer um, of note, really, um, and that's a, a grad transfer from Green Bay. He was the second leading scorer at Green Bay. Uh, he was a point guard who averaged 15 points per game. Um, but besides that, they got four JUCO guys. So what do we really know? Looking at them on paper and watching them last year, I thought our talent was better. I really did. Um, just we got bit by the turnover bug that night. So um, we know that they're going to be tough and they're really long. Um, in the past, they played some funky defenses with Kermit Davis, and then they even showed us a little bit of that last year. Um, and whenever whenever we had jaw, we always ate that up. Um, but um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a battle for us. But I expect a double digit win um, when we play Middle Tennessee this year. Yeah, hopefully by that time we're in we're looking good because we're gonna have some some already tough games under our belt. All right, the next game coming up the next weekend. So we've got that week week off, get a good week of practicing. Got probably the first really exciting game of the year at Memphis. Um, coupling the weekend with the Grizzlies, Murray State night at the FedEx Forum. Uh, Memphis is going to be tough, boys. They're they're solid. Penny Hardaway has really built a really great recruiting program. I know it doesn't always transfer to the floor, but man, he gets some really high highly rated recruits. Um, Saw so what what are we going to face against Memphis, and what's it going to take to to, to put up a fight there. Obviously, we've got good history playing at Memphis, but um, that was also 10 years ago, <laughs> 10 plus years ago. No, Austin, it will be 10 years to the day that we played them. Last no way. Week. Exactly no 10 way. years to the day, um, which, is, which is crazy. The 10-year anniversary <laughs> the last time we played each other when the Racers beat them 76-72. Um, but there's so many crazy little things involved with this. So the 10-year anniversary – it's the four, it'll be a matchup between former Memphis East versus Memphis West head high school basketball coaches and Penny Hardaway and Marcus Brown. It's just it's so many weird things that go into this that make it really cool. Um, but as you said, the Tigers are going to be tough. They're top they're top five in the country already preseason. Um, you know they're coached by one of the stars of the game, Penny Hardaway, Larry Brown, Rasheed Wallace. Um, but 
but they're not exempt from the from the transfer portal. They had a lot of guys into the transfer portal, two starters, Boogie Ellis and Musa Cisse, um, with two most notable players to transfer, along with another former racer recruit, uh, Damon Baugh, um, who um, was a part of Team Thad, AAU program, who's now at TCU. They also lost uh, once Kentucky commit DJ Jeffries to Mississippi State, so all those guys are gone. Reload. <laughs> they signed two. They signed two out of the top five players in all of college of all of high school basketball. They signed uh, the number four and number five players in the country according to the twenty four seven Sports Top one hundred. Uh, number four being Imani Bates, um, and number t- five being Jalen Duran. Those guys were one and two in the 2022 recruiting class, but they both reclassed to join this year. So um, they're, they're big time talents wow. in their own right. Um, kind of what you, what you see with those guys, Bates is an athletic unicorn. A lot of people have uh, compared him to uh, Kevin Durant. I don't really see it in a direct comparison, but that's just kind of what they kind of have similar games. I know that Memphis just had their pro day today. Um, some of his measurables didn't really stack up to, to the to the task, but he's a he's a beast. He's a baller. Um, the other guy is Jalen Duran, a guy Kentucky really wanted. Uh, he's a physical physical big, but he's super skilled. So most of these high school players you get in the top ten are rather raw on the offensive side. Not Duran. He he's a beast. Um, they're both projected in the in the lottery next year. Um, and both players are exactly what the Tigers needed to make the next step. Um, they have. A lot of good pieces coming back. Three veteran starters, including Evansville transfer DeAndre Williams. Uh, Racer fans may remember him. Uh, he played great in the um, the game that where the Racers went up to Evansville and lost 78-76 a few years ago. Tevin Brown missed a 40-footer at the buzzer to to almost knock them out. I was in the I was in the house that night. Uh, DeAndre Williams is a solid player. The big question mark is going to be how well this team can gel together because whisper to you guys again. Memphis hasn't finished in the top 100 in the final Ken Palm ranking since the 18-19 season. Wow. Haven't finished in the top 100 once. Um, wow. And they haven't, they haven't even made it to the NCAA tournament yet. So um, if the racers bring their A game, I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting matchup. Uh, I think that, I think that uh, you know, Penny Hardaway tried to address a lot of the issues last year and the year before with some of his teams. You know, two years ago, James Wiseman um, didn't play half the season. He was deemed ineligible. Um, so a lot of different things played into that. But until you get to the tournament, you know, you've got it. There's some question marks. So um, I think that the Racers will be amped up. I know they've had this game circled for two years. We're supposed to play them last year. Um, so I'm super excited. Unfortunately for myself, I'll not be able to be there. Uh, my wife and I are expecting our second child um, the, the the day of the game. Um, so we'll be excited for that. Won't be there to experience the Tigers versus the Racers and follow that up with the Rockets versus the Grizzlies. Um, but, um, you know, we'll be there in spirit for sure. Heck yeah. That's, uh, so you're telling me there's a chance. Uh, that's what I get from it. And we could have a lot of celebration with a new Lawson in and a racer win but uh logan there's probably no way we're gonna get uh we can't get jaw to dress out that game uh john shack can we because i know he would help us a lot but what do you think i know that's that's probably our probably our biggest game on the schedule so what, what, what are you gonna try to make the trip to memphis down there for the weekend or um at least excited about it right yeah i, I hope i do get to go um watch the racers play memphis they've got such a, a loaded team as Sawyer was alluding to start at the top with Amani Bates, um, six foot nine. And as Sawyer said, he's kind of compared to Kevin Durant. 
I've followed him for a few years, and he's got the same movements, and he's got that long, wiry frame, and uh, a pretty good shooter as well. And um, same thing with Jalen Duran. They're they're both studs coming out of this class, reclassifying. And one thing we got to remember, you know, Sawyer mentioned how Amani Bates isn't necessarily Kevin Durant esque yet. Um, these kids are supposed to be seniors in high school. So I'm excited to watch both of them kind of grow this year and see how they adapt to the college game. Amani was originally um, slated to go to Michigan State. He's from Michigan, and he decommitted and decided this fall, actually, to go to Memphis. And I've actually seen where he has came out and said that he expects to be Memphis's point guard. So having a six-foot-nine point guard – has worked out pretty good for teams in the past if they're that skilled and qualified to, to do that. But um, it, it'll be interesting, not just against the racers, but throughout the year to see how he progresses. And then you go to Landers Nolly. He's, he was phenomenal at Virginia Tech. They lost a lot when he decided to transfer. And I expect him to have a, a nice bounce back year with them reloading. Um, Lester Quinones, really great shooter. DeAndre Williams, this is a phenomenal team. And not only being coached by Penny Hardaway and Rasheed Wallace, but having Larry Brown, a coaching legend, on your bench, that's just amazing. And so it's cool that our players get the opportunity to to go up against this, not just uh, such a talented team, but – a coaching staff that's as well decorated as they are. So, and also I wanted to mention, uh, we received a tweet from uh, a longtime listener, Ryan, and he was asking for this, uh, this trip specifically, what's a good eating spot in Memphis? And I have to say this one, it's actually uh, approved by Mick and Hep Cronin, the blue city cafe on Beale street right around the corner from um, the FedEx Forum. And I've been there a few times. It is fantastic. The steaks they give you, I believe the one I've gotten and shared, obviously, was a 32-ounce. They put it on your your table, and (laughs) and it's just an overwhelming experience, to be quite honest with you. So I would um, suggest the Blue City Cafe. What about you guys? All right. Well, hey, I uh, I think that, you know, you can't go wrong. Everybody loves to talk about Rendezvous Barbecue. That's a staple of Memphis. Um, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a different one. It's still very popular. Um, one of my good friends who I work with, he uh, he goes to Central Barbecue every single time that he's in. He's in Memphis and it's a little bit off the beaten path. But uh, every time he goes there, he just swears it's the best ribs, the best fried chicken, the best barbecue uh, in the city. Um, so that'd be the one that I'd have to recommend to you guys. Um, but I also want to recommend, I also want to mention to you guys too, if you guys are ever looking to go to a Grizzlies game, uh, I actually have uh, two season tickets um, in section 108. It's right off the right off the end of the visitor visiting teams bench. Uh, if you guys are ever interested in um, going to any of the race into the Grizzlies games, feel free to send me a DM or message me on Facebook or something. I can I can work you a good deal. Where we're at, um, a lot of communication between the visiting team and the fans goes. I've talked to visiting players handful of times um, every time that I've gone. So uh, if you're looking to go to Memphis, let me know. But I think uh, good recommendations, guys. And Ryan, thanks for the for the tweet as well. Um, that's the kind of engagement we're looking for to keep it interesting for us and for you guys. But uh, one thing nobody mentioned, 
Uh, there's probably going to be a pretty nice racer contingent there just with the weekend that Memphis is set up. And, you know, momentum momentum speaks a lot, especially if you play in a young team and uh, you get Tevin Brown knocked down a couple threes and get the racers cheering and get Memphis feeling down on themselves. You never know what could happen. Could be a yeah, repeat is, of 10 years ago. Once we beat them this year, this will be a one-time deal. So if you're trying to go down there, it's going to be the one time to go. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding, no kidding. All right, a lot of Memphis talk, but – being that that's probably our best game on the schedule, um, I think it was well-deserved. So let's continue our tour through Tennessee. Uh, bet you guys didn't realize we're playing four Tennessee schools in a row. Middle Tennessee, Memphis. Then we've got Tennessee Wesleyan coming to the bank December 14th on a Tuesday night out of Athens, Tennessee. And then just a few days after that, back-to-back home games on Saturday, December 18th, just a week before Christmas. Um, Chattanooga coming to the bank. Uh, saw Chattanooga. I hear they might have uh, some pretty good players, uh, maybe a veteran team. What do you got to tell us about Chattanooga? Yeah, yeah. So Chattanooga finished 18 and seven last year, um, nine and seven in the SoCon conference, um, which was good for tied for uh, fifth fifth place there. Um, which this year, um, according to the the Blue Ribbon forecast, um, they have the number one front court and back court in the conference, um, which is high praise. Um, they're built on a lot of uh, transfers, four transfers, one from St. Louis, James Madison, Wright State, and the big one being Silvio D'Souza um, from Kansas, a name that a lot of people will realize, will, rec- re- will remember um, from yeah. recruiting circles. Um, so the newcomer of the year, already slated, <clears throat> Silvio D'Souza from Chattanooga. They also have two players on the all-conference team, uh, number one being Malachi Smith, who's a sophomore uh, guard, and then David Jean-Baptiste, who's a senior, uh, who can really fill it up. He scored 16 points a game last year um, in the abbreviated COVID season. So um, they're going to be a handful. Um, and having them you know, strategically placed at the schedule, hopefully we've got enough games under our belt to be able to take care of the mocks. Yeah. For sure. So that's our last home game of of the non-conference schedule. Then just a few days before Christmas, December 22nd, Wednesday night, um, we've got a we're heading south to Alabama to Auburn to return the last game of that series. We all know how fun the first game was. Uh, second game still wasn't too bad. We hung in there and had a really good game with them. Um, but to finish up that series, Saul, what do we expect from SEC team Auburn Tigers? Man, before we get started, don't you just want to? Don't you just love this series? Don't you want to keep it going? <laughs> yeah, especially if they come to Murray. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with <laughs> they, being a, a one for two with them until the end of time. Yeah. yeah. If we could do that play. with any any SEC team, uh, I think that's a win for everybody. Honestly, they got so much praise that year they came to Murray uh, from from the blue check marks and from just college basketball in general, and now they get two return games out of it. And we get an SEC opponent three times on a schedule. I mean, really, should be a uh, should be how other teams look to schedule. And I wish we did more of it. But anyway, go yeah. ahead. We're we're just too good to be a cupcake, but we're and but we're not good enough to get you know home and homes with everybody. So yeah. um, but we're on our, we're on our way. Um, <clears throat> last year was just just absolutely an up and down season for all of SEC basketball. One of the wildest years in SEC basketball history. Um, but last year, uh, Auburn finished tied for tenth. Um, they had two stars last year. Um, Sharif Cooper, um, who's now with the Hawks. Is that right? Trey Young with the Hawks, I think. Um, and then JT Thor also going in the draft, big time players. Um, so they've got to they've got to reload. 
However, entering this year, um, they're facing another postseason ban. So this is coming off of the 2017 FBI probe um, that led to a, the firing of an assistant a few years ago. Um, so no postseason tournament for them. So how does that affect how they play? Um, don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but they're a Bruce Pearl-led team, so I know you know they're going to be fired up. Uh, on the court, another familiar face the Racers have seen in the past. Starting point guard for them is going to be Wendell Green Jr. I know all three of us absolutely loved Wendell Green last year. <clears throat> he even got high praise from John Morant in a lot of tweets, just saying, man, this this new kid is running the OVC. Um, you know, we knocked them off last year, beat them by 12, 76-64. Um, we went to Richmond um, when he was at EKU, um, but his talent was never in question. Um, and he'll he'll take the reins nicely from Sharif Cooper. Um, <clears throat> another another transfer portal star um, to join Pearl is Walker Kessler, 7-1 center from North Carolina, top 10 player a few years ago. Um, and so he'll be a handful for our bigs. Um, but the one that I really want to highlight, a uh, notable mention on this, ti- on this Tigers roster is second-year freshman Chris Moore from West Memphis High School. So I know I already Memphis this, referenced this before, but West Memphis High School is former high school coach Marcus Brown. So that's going to be one to look out for is maybe, hey, you know, former he was former racer recruit. Uh, we, we were on him since like he was in eighth grade. Um, just kind of getting the tips from getting the tips from Marcus Brown, just saying, hey, we've got somebody here. And uh, he really did. He was a four star prospect that was offered by everybody. I think even Kentucky was in there a little bit, made his top 10. Um, so, um, you know, hey, if things aren't going well in Auburn, I know he loves his high school coach. So we welcome him back with open arms. Um, so hopefully we can show him um, what we got going on, and then. Uh, but but really, you know, looking at the looking at the the roster here, I really like this matchup for the racers. I really do. They've got a lot of newcomers and a lot of the experience they have coming back aren't people that you're just like, we're playing them. He's a beast. It's just people who are just kind of like, eh, okay, he might take the next yeah, step, yeah. but I don't know. So I really like this matchup for the racers. Yeah, to to me it's it's uh you are in a trap game for Auburn. That's three days before Christmas. I don't Absolutely. know what their schedule looks like. I don't know what their schedule looks like before us, but that's an overlooked game for them where the racers can be really fired up and and head down to Auburn, Alabama and, and get a win out, uh get them a win out of there before Christmas, Logan. Yeah, as you mentioned, Wendell Green um transferring in and Walker Kessler. Walker last year, he was in a, a tough spot at North Carolina. I wish Roy Williams would have coached like he did last year when he played us in 2006 because there were some questionable decisions. He had a loaded front court <laughs> with um, Armando Baycott. He had Garrison Brooks, Dayron Sharp, and then Walker Kessler is a highly regarded freshman. And he – he would play some of them five, ten minutes a game, and after they had had a huge game, and it was just kind of like, "What are you, what are you doing, man?" And so um, he, I guess he got tired of it and didn't want to go through the coach change, so um, transferred to Auburn. And I think he gives us some problems um, down low because in the ACC last year, when he got minutes, it was not uncommon for him to have six to eight blocks. Um, seven foot one, he's, he's huge and, um, scoring down low will be tough with him clogging the paint up. But like you said, saw the rest of the roster, they got a transfer from Georgia, KD Johnson. I watched him a lot last year and he came off the bench. 
he's built like a fullback, to be quite honest with you. He's only yeah, he's six just... foot tall, um, but he's stocky, and he plays the two. Um, he's not a point guard, but he comes in, and he can score. Um, he, he just does not look like a basketball player, to be quite honest with you, but when he gets on the court, he can score. And he'll put up rebounds and assists. It's amazing how he fills the stat sheet. But him, Kessler, Wendell Green Jr., um, they got Jabari Smith, who is a highly regarded um, recruit this year. And then last year when um, Sharif Cooper was – he would be ineligible. And some games he'd be out. Some games you just never knew what was going on with Sharif. They looked to Alan Flanagan a lot, and they ran him at point guard some. I don't think he – that's his natural position, and I think Wendell is going to be able to come in and kind of relieve that for him. But he's a good player. He just was stuck playing out of position last year um, at times. But regardless, when we talk about Auburn and we talk about Memphis, they've got kids that – have at least one lottery pick on their team and definitely some first round talent. Um, these are really, really tough games, top 25 opponents. I'm glad that we actually got two in one year, honestly, because I think at the end of the year, if we're lucky enough to get into the NCAA tournament, whoever we get selected with, we may sit there and say, I would rather play this team than play in Auburn or Memphis. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and look back to our non-conference and say, I'm, I'm glad we were tested like this early in tough environments too. So I'm excited. And I'm like you saw, I think we can pull one of these games off. Maybe not the Memphis one. This Auburn one's looking pretty exciting though. And one thing to mention as we wrap up the schedule talk is that, you know, I've, I've seen some whispers, you know, on, message boards and things of not being the most exciting schedule. I see that because we knew the Auburn game was coming. We knew the Memphis game was coming. We knew about these for years. So those are the two, you know, most prominent games on the schedule. If you look at the rest of the schedule, man, it looks pretty doggone good to me. Mm -hmm. To me, you've got a tale of two schedules. You've got uh, one, two, three, five, just really, really solid games that, I would take any year, any time, home or away. And then you've got, obviously, the few that we glossed over, the Tennessee Wesleyans, the Campbellsvilles, that you're not as excited about. But if you can overlook those, you've got a really, really solid chance to to make some noise in the non-conference. If you come out with just less than five losses in this deal, less than four losses, uh yeah, you're you're building a lot of momentum going going into OVC after Christmas. And I will say that um, we received a tweet from Joe Darnell, and he mentioned that it, it's been talked about that there's a, a couple games that got dropped. Um, we had pretty decent opponents, higher profile than what else we've got on the non-conference schedule, other than Auburn and Memphis, um, that – Last minute, we're kind of – it fell through the cracks. And if that is true, then, you know, it puts our coaching staff in a tough position to kind of scramble and, and put together a schedule because this was just released, what, last week, which mm-hmm. is a little over a month before the season. 
So it, it makes me feel like those rumors could have some truth to them. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. All right. Sawyer, thank you so much for all that insight. You really uh, you really did the homework when it came to the schedule. And uh, Logan and I just kind of piggybacked along and <laughs> uh, made our comments where we could. But uh, thank you so much. And I think the fans, everyone listening, is really going to appreciate that team-by-team team breakdown, at least of our notable non-conference games. And that's uh, exciting, especially when it's less than a month away for sure. Hey, when we get week to week, you guys are going to carry the load on breaking it down and giving the analysis at that point. So I'm just trying to get my work in so I can take it easy when the season gets here. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Moving right along into some recruiting talk. Uh, Racers have had a pretty good three weeks with high school recruiting uh, for 2022. I think the tough part when you look at recruiting right now is you don't know I know we've said it a couple times in the last this episode and last year. We really don't know where everybody falls with with the COVID year. Um, schools aren't being super transparent. Players aren't being super transparent about uh, are they taking that extra year? Are you going to be, you know, obviously Devin Gilmore did not. He went on to play overseas. So are we going to see more players take that extra year? And so I think that probably puts coaches in a tough spot when it comes to recruiting. Um, but Saying that, the Racers have, have made a pretty big splash the last few weeks and got commits from three high school players. And so we're going to break down each one, what we know about them, and what we see going forward, how they fit for the Racers. So um, obviously, our, our if the COVID year does not count for everybody, um, well, if they don't take advantage of it, probably our... I mean, one of our top two players we're going to lose is, is K.J. Williams, and that's a huge loss for the racers, obviously, down low, because uh, there's, especially with the departure of Devon Robinson, there's there's not a lot of not a lot of left in the tank there that we know. I mean, obviously, we've got some, some size down low, but they're new transfers in. We just don't know a lot about them. So trying to fill the cupboard there. Cornelius Williams, Cornelius Williams, 6'10 or 6'8. I, I couldn't get a straight answer. On the internet, it said he was 6'10", but when I looked on Twitter, it said he was 6'8", from a lot of people, but either way, super tall, and probably a chance to grow some more. Um, originally out of Beaumont, Mississippi, he's kind of bounced around in North Carolina uh, with some prep schools. Uh, this year, he's going to be at Combine Academy for his senior year, playing AAU at Mississippi Express, uh, which is a Nike school, uh, obviously out of Mississippi. Mississippi's voted uh, as well for centers as K.J. Williams has turned out all right, Mississippi product. Logan, what do you got to say about Cornelius? Yeah, um, first of all, I'm a little impartial to Cornelius um, because I've – the people that are close to me know that I've wanted a dog named Cornelius for <laughs> quite some time. Uh, I love it, and uh, so already he's just won me over. Um you mentioned we can't really tell what size he is. We'll start off and say that he's six foot nine, a, a nice size. Um, there you go. Split the difference. He, yeah. Yeah. We'll split. We'll split the difference. So. Um, nice. <laughs> I and I've got to tell you guys, I've watched their tapes extensively. I've done a lot of research. I've watched minutes of tape so far on these guys and so I feel like I can give a pretty good breakdown 
first with our boy Cornelius. On defense, he's got great instincts. Um, he seems to know how to kind of help over from his man and help and, and block shots. Um, he's, he's good on the glass. Um, kind of reminds me frame-wise and uh, rim protector-wise of like a Tony Easley, Brandon Garrett. Um, mm -hmm. Just kind of long, lanky guy. Um, offensively, he needs some work. Um, he's very raw. He kind of reminds me of uh, our current racer, Nicholas McMullen, at this point to where, you know, he's got the size. He's He looks like a Division One basketball player. Um, but offensively, he just doesn't seem super comfortable with the ball in his hands. And Sawyer mentioned this a couple weeks ago once, uh, or I, I guess it was after Cornelius signed with us or committed, that he wished Cornelius could – spend some time under KJ because I said I that come on now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was a great idea. Uh, well, yeah, we all think it's a great idea. <laughs> KJ is one of the best all around post players we've had in a while when, uh, and it's great when he stands out and knocks down threes, he really stretches defenses out. But um, when he's down in the post, I mean, it, it, as Shaq would say, when he gets his man down in the post, it's barbecue chicken. Like, <laughs> it, when he gets somebody down in the post, he's scoring. And he does it efficiently. He's got great footwork, and he is super comfortable with the ball down there. I'm like you guys. I wish that uh, Cornelius could spend some time with, with KJ and kind of learn under him. Because he's exactly what we want out of a post player. Um, that's really what I took from the, the three minutes of Max Prep videos that I saw out of Cornelius. Oh, actually, uh, one other thing. All of our recruits that we've got so far, um, I've confirmed that they can dunk. All of them. <laughs> they're, they're tall. They are active players, and they can dunk. So that's... That's a plus for the uh, future of the racer highlight video. There you go. Funny, Logan, you say that. The the two things I have written down for Cornelius, great bounce and very athletic. I think you watch your minutes of tape, and that's, that's two things you can find. One thing I also like, which has been a huge pain point for the Racer Nation group chat, is he can rebound the basketball and dunk the ball without having to dribble which has been a, <laughs> a a shot to the heart for us where it seems like everybody who's been on our teams, when they rebound the ball, they have to put it on the floor before they go back up. And uh, who knows? It, it may be a a, uh, a bug for Murray State, but um, at least in high school, he can just catch the ball and dunk it. Um, but I agree, very raw and very skinny. Um, obviously, we've had – We've had really good luck with get, having players gain weight once they've got on campus and building some muscle, um, which I think if we're playing in another conference in the next couple of years will need to happen. But he's got great size. He's raw. He's athletic. If he can get crafted to be a, uh, you know, have that turnaround hook shot or have a nice mid range, which they say 
you know, he's got a pretty decent mid-range right now, but um, I could see him being a really good player if he stays four years in the Murray State program. I wish we had a Coach Nichols around still to kind of craft him in the post. Like, obviously, he's done a lot of work with KJ. But, um, Sawyer, I'll let you get a chance to talk, but a couple more stats on – a couple more things on Cornelius. Uh, kind of interesting. He didn't play his high school season last year. Um, he So he was at a prep school in North Carolina, transferred back to Mississippi – Mississippi High School Association wouldn't let him play um, because of transfer rules and stuff. So he just practiced with a with his hometown team there, um, played AAU ball this summer, got a lot of got a lot of attention, had uh, offers from obviously us, um, had offers from uh, Virginia Commonwealth, Old Dominion, and Houston, um, and still chose the Racers. So really good, I thought. But like I said, back playing playing at prep school in North Carolina this year before he wraps up the senior year and heads to Murray this summer. Saul? Yeah. First off, as being episode number two, a staple moving forward has to be Logan Impressions. Just want to get that out there. The second <laughs> question is spot on. The listeners are going to love it. Uh, moving on, you know, another point that, that Blakely that you made was about putting on weight and, and still growing. That's definitely true. I mean, we I, I was a student assistant back um, back in the day, and I was there whenever uh, campaign was had just arrived. Jarvis Williams um, w- had just arrived as well, and he grew two inches the first summer he was a racer. So, I mean, uh, he put on like 20, 25, 30 pounds. So um, it's definitely something you can just see in his frame that he's got some growing to do, which is if we can get a guy like that that's 6'10", you know, we don't get guys like that. Like, um, you know, the last one we had was like a Brandon Garrett who was 6'9", but I think there's some diff- some things that we see in Cornelius that we did not see, you know, with, with Brandon Garrett, who was still a great player and who's still making a, a living overseas playing, you know, to this day. Um, kind of a guy he reminds me of, and you guys will love this. So I didn't mention it to you until this point. Um, but a former racer recruit we all loved, but he reminds me of Clitrell Pope. A blast <laughs> yeah. Yes, he does. Because of the equestrian programs. That's why we loved him. <laughs> Um, but never screwed up for the racers. Um, he reminds me of him a little bit. And as Blakely said, also dating ourselves a little bit. Um, shout out to um, one of the voices of the racers, Coach Kenny Roth, who coached us in middle school basketball, three of us. I can I can remember Coach Coach Roth saying, don't put that ball on the ground. Go back up with it. Go back up with it. Go back up with it. So um, it. we can see Cornelius doing that already. That's, that's a great sign. Yeah, for sure. That's that's funny. Logan, anything to wrap up Cornelius? Are you good? Uh, yeah, just one more thing that Sawyer said. You don't get guys this size that, and kind of bouncing back to what I said about how he's kind of raw offensively. The guys that are six foot ten that can, you know, catch the ball and do a drop step and look really good doing it and shield off a defender that can rebound, block shots, they're going to high mid majors. There's only a handful of those guys. So um, teams like Murray State don't get players that are, you know, six foot 10, six foot 11 that already have their their games crafted out. So that's just something we know going in. We just got to hope that him and uh, like McMullen can can kind of grow their game and and work hard to uh, to really lead us into uh, we'll say whatever conference we 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 plan next i guess <laughs> there you go i like it i like it all righty guys second second commit we've gotten uh, over the last few weeks jackson edwards uh six six 
listed as shooting guard on most of the recruiting websites and on Twitter. Um, I think he'll probably play more of a small forward position for the racers once he gets in, but you know, that's to be seen. Um, out of Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, I, I kind of dropped this guy last week in the episode talking about the Missouri Valley. Um, and one reason I did is because he picked the racers over Evansville, over Indiana state, over Drake and over Illinois state, all Missouri Valley schools. And I think that's, that says a lot for, uh, what this kid can do. Um, a lot of people are saying if, if he didn't, uh, commit this early in the, in the process, being in the fall, if he would have waited till after his uh, senior season, he probably picked up a few high major offers, power five offers, um, a few schools were already reaching out to him. They were never named, but weren't ready to commit till after his to commit to him till after his senior season with a scholarship. But uh, plays for Cathedral High School up there in Indianapolis, and also played AAU ball for D1 Indiana. Uh, he looks super athletic, Logan. Uh, with all the minutes of tape you've seen, what what are your thoughts on on Jackson? Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. I mentioned last week in our episode that I don't think moving forward getting a six foot six, six foot five power forward is going to work. Um, the issue is in Jackson's tape, he's like the biggest guy on their team, or if not, he's right up there. And so he's playing a lot of four for them. And okay. a lot of his highlights are getting rebounds on the opposite side of the backboard, um, on the weak side, um, attacking the glass, dunking. Um, not a whole lot of him kind of creating a shot for himself or sitting outside and shooting. And there's some of that, but, like, you have to think back. Ja'Kai Taylor, you watch his highlight tapes from high school and his prep school tapes, he was shooting threes. Um, Devin Gilmore was hell. Breon Sanctious was shooting threes and his highlight <laughs> tape. Like, <laughs> there's a throwback, but um, you just never know. And with him being the the tallest guy on his team and whatnot, he's probably playing out of position. But yeah. um, one thing I love from Jackson, and I didn't see a lot of it last year on our team, um, was transition. He he can get a rebound. And he's not looking for an outlet pass. He can take it all the way up the court quickly and mm-hmm. score. Um, so I hope that translates to the Division One level because, you know, we we talk about it sometimes being the running racers and just <laughs> watching him. Yeah, that's who you want to be. And watching him get the ball off the glass and within a few seconds be down at the other end and carving his way through the lane and getting a layup or a dunk, it's exciting. And so I hope he can translate, but um, there's still some questions I have. But like I said, with the three minutes of max prep tapes that you watch, it's it's kind of hard to see. Awesome. Yeah, I think that whenever you look at Jackson Edwards, you look at someone who's a stat stuffer. And everything that I've seen, he's been a, a guy who scored a lot of points, grabbed a lot of rebounds, and dished out a lot of assists. And as you guys mentioned, Blakely, you make a great point every episode so far, talking about how the Missouri Valley is really a strong um, physical league. 
what are the things that can really be the Achilles heel to some of those teams is being able to get out and run like Logan said. And having a guy like Edwards is a guy who can really, you know, push the pace, uh, change the game in that regard. I don't think he's a big, as we mentioned earlier. I think he's going to play on the wing. Uh, and I haven't seen the film to show that he's, uh, you know, a tremendous outside shooter like another guy we're about to talk about. But uh, if he is, um, he's already I, in the film that I've seen, he's got the handles to do it. Um, he's got the ball skills and just the basketball ability. Um, which is a little bit different from some of the wings we've had in the past that just showed the athleticism. I see the athletic ability, the basketball ability is clicking up top. So um, I'm, I'm excited about Mr. Edwards. Yeah, Sawyer, I think you bring up a great point about uh, having athleticism versus, versus great basketball talent. And that's, I think, just in the in the little we've seen about Jackson, the, uh, he, he has that incredible athletic ability where he can uh, almost like a 6'6 John Morant where he could pick the basketball up you know, a foot above the rim and dunk it, um, but also be able to catch the ball beyond the three-point line, make a jab step, drive to the basket and finish, uh, which hopefully transfers. One thing that, you know, as quick as he is and athletic as he is, you just hope his defense, like he can play a little defense, it looks like. You just hope something like that transfers. That's one thing we've seen a lot with these athletic guys is they don't know exactly where to be all the time on defense. And that's, I guess that's probably every, every freshman that comes into division one basketball, that's their biggest, biggest uh, uh, hurdle to overcome. But you just hope somebody like that can come in and make an immediate impact. He's obviously got a high motor um, and that's what you love to see for sure. All right. Last guy, probably the one we're most excited about uh, Justin Morgan. Uh, six foot five shooting guard out of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, plays, you guys probably don't know this. I found this. Plays for the Memphis Home Education Association, uh, which is a group of homeschool uh, people from Memphis. That's his high school team. And when I say he dominated them, he absolutely, he looked like he was playing um, against the the Green Machine fifth grade Murray High, Murray Middle basketball team. About. <laughs> He 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 actually dominated. Um, and Team Thad, which is an Under Armour Under Armour program out of Memphis, is where he's really he's really shined and really made his name known. But uh, Logan, I'm really excited about Justin. We're obviously losing. Maybe again, COVID. You don't know. Maybe losing Tevin Brown, who's who's our prolific three point shooter. Uh, Justin's a guy who shot 50 percent from three this summer can he move in and take that role um, as somebody departs yeah and I'm gonna tell you Kelvin Sampson's gonna be getting tired of us if we're taking yeah. <laughs> if we're taking Justin Morgan and Cornelius from him but exactly you mentioned Tevin that's the player comp that I had with Justin Morgan and the reason being he looks like a solid defender to be honest with you. He he's active. Um, his hands are always moving. He gets his hands in the, the passing lanes and contests shots really well on offense. He doesn't seem like a guy that's really going to go and just create shots for other people or create his own shot. Yeah. As soon as he touches the ball, it's going up and it's going up quickly. A lot like Tevin Brown and, most of the time, it's going in. So it's really cool to see um, that he's a lot like Tevin, knowing that possibly this is our last year with Tevin. 
and uh, that we'll have somebody coming in that can kind of not fill his space because, you know, it's going to take, take Justin some time to get acclimated to the college game and um, fill in that role. But somebody that has the potential to, it's nice to know that they've committed to us. Yeah, Logan, that's, that's, you brought up a great point and that's the, the knock I had on, on Justin. And I mean, obviously we're just basing this off, off stuff we read and stuff we see online. Um, working on creating his own shot is going to be huge going forward. He's not going to be able to be a spot up three point shooter for four years. We saw that with Tevin. That was, that was Tevin's role his first year. You know why? Cause he had, well, I guess his second year on campus because he had John Morant throwing him the ball. And after Jaw left, uh, it really fell on Tevin's shoulder to create his own shot. And, you know, he he had he had trouble with it. Honestly, um, his shooting percentages went down. His averages went down. Um, but he obviously we've seen he's been able to he's been able to craft that and really work on that the last last three years. And I think that's one thing. If somebody like Justin can have that going in, work on that this year, uh, I think. I think that's just going to put him way ahead of the curve. Um, like like Logan said, Kevin Sampson, uh, we, he we, he committed to the racers over Houston, um, Texas Christian down in Fort Worth, and also uh, the Memphis Tigers. So uh, thank you, um, Marcus Brown. I think we can tell him a big thank you for this one because I'm pretty sure he was pretty vital in getting getting him, Sawyer. Yeah, I really like guys. We should be excited about Justin Morgan. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy is somebody Absolutely. we do not we do not normally get. And I think yeah. that you know all the offers started rolling in whenever he uh, performed so well with Team Thad. You know, Team Thad um, sponsored by Thaddeus Young, um, who was you know formerly of the Bulls. Um, <clears throat> they've had they have a massive, huge alumni base. You're looking at guys like Gerald Vick, a star at Kansas; Jordan Bone, a star at Tennessee; Clayton Hughes, a former racer recruit who went to Central Florida. Um, Nick Marshall. Jonathan, was that? Jonathan Stark. Jonathan, Jonathan Stark. Stark. I was about to say Jonathan Stark. Austin Wiley. Uh, he played forever at, at Auburn. Um, so, you know, it's a great program. And they have some top one, top 100, 150 recruits on their team now. And if we've got, you know, a guy off of their team who's lighting it up, shooting 50% or more from three in AAU ball, that's exciting. And what you see with him is a guy who um, – Gets this ball, gets the shot off really, really quickly. Um, someone whose mechanics are, you know, pretty much flawless. Um, you look at a guy like Clay Thompson in the NBA, how he just catches the ball, catches it high, and just flicks his wrist. He's got a high release. Not comparing the two, but um, similar mechanics, um, which is exciting. But then the thing that really excited me today, whenever we were looking at some of their film, was his defensive intensity. I don't know how many minutes he's getting with his team, but he was in people's bubble. And he was making people uncomfortable. And it was really impressive to watch. I did not expect that whatsoever. Um, so that has to be the type of guy that Coach McMahon wants in his program. Yeah, to, to me, he's he's probably the most exciting uh, commit since the, the 2017 recruiting class with Jaw and Shaq and Tevin. Um, he, he's got me more excited than anybody. We've No, no slight to anybody else, but... He's got to be more excited than anybody we've signed the last four years. Mm-hmm. And do you guys think, you know, with the transfer portal, do you think we're done with high school players at this point? Or what do you think is the, the move here? Because I know we've discussed this a little bit behind the scenes. You have to think that we have, what, two spots leaving this year confirmed? 
Yeah, Carter Collins and um, Jordan Skipper Brown are for sure done. They're tra- they're grad transfers. And we we do it every year. To be quite honest, we have four or five openings after the end of the year. Um, you have to think that with the way the transfer portal has been, we'll save that for hopefully an in-season transfer that's a, a big name or something or an after-season transfer, a JUCO play or something like that. But um, back just a second to what you guys were touching on with Justin. He can't, or not saying he can't, but he's not shown that he can create his own shot yet. But he can stretch a defense tremendously. Mm-hmm. So much he's a, a 49 or 50% three-point shooter. Um, teams have no choice but to run out and guard that. Absolutely. Yeah that they're forced to. And um, another point I wanted to make before we moved on from him was that if you have Kelvin Sampson, Penny Hardaway, Jamie Dixon, uh, Casey Alexander at Belmont Mm -hmm. wanting this kid, we should be thrilled to have him. Um, I'm telling you. Yep. And I'm ready for that ink to hit the paper. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And you mentioned the transfers. It makes me wonder, because we're getting players over the Missouri Valley teams. We're getting them over the American Athletic teams. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of uncharacteristic for us. Um, You have to think that these kids are looking from high school saying, do I really want to go to these Power 5 programs and sit behind a fourth-year, fifth-year, and sixth-year senior? Or I can go to – Great historic program like Murray State, come in to a great team and have the opportunity to play right away if I gel with the program and work hard. And so I think that's something that's to our benefit right now that we need to take advantage of. Yeah, I mean, more times than not, if you go to Murray State and you're drafted, you're drafted before you're a junior and you're drafted in the lottery. So it's pretty, yeah. pretty good odds. But I was going to say, does does did John Morant knock down that door for us to say – yeah, do you want to go play at South Carolina or do you want to play at Murray State and become the second pick in the set? I mean, to me, this is one. Sorry, I'm going to go off on a little tangent. Sorry, I know you want to say something else. But this is the first time we have actually capitalized on the John Moran effect to get a top guy to come to Murray State. Absolutely. Because like you said, Logan, we have not we've never got I don't want to say never, but we have not gotten a guy over Memphis and Houston and TCU and belt and uh those kind of schools and to me this is this is really exciting and this is capitalizing on on john morant right here a memphis kid yeah and well i'll say that the past couple years we landed noah comba who had an offer from lsu we had um jaquez kirby who had some pretty high profile offers last year and they just didn't pan out um, so I would say that we kind of capitalized on job, but not to this extent, because just looking at the tape, he's he is Different. the next level. Yeah, he mm-hmm. both ends of the floor. You can tell the kid's just ready. He's he's not a high school talent. He's a division one talent and his offers prove it. And um, watching him on the defensive end and watching how quick he is. Um, with his shot being able to score, that 
that means he's a Division One player. Yeah, and the final thing that I'll say as we wrap up um, recruiting is that, as you mentioned, Logan, the transfer portal is the fact that you know we're getting mentioned on a lot of big time high school players lists, top ten, top five schools. So Absolutely. as you guys mentioned, they may go to you said South Carolina before. They may go to a big time SEC school like that and say, you know what, I don't want to play behind a five or six year or transfer player that's coming in that hasn't built the relationships and put in the time that they have, and so us being involved with a lot of these guys who are you know, still in high school is going to definitely pay dividends before it's all said and done. And in my opinion, it's going to soon happen sooner rather than later. Lots of good recruiting talk there. Really exciting stuff for the racers going forward in the future. We get caught up a lot talking about the schedule, talking about this year, talking about the past years, but it's always fun to look for the future. We received our first call in on the anchor, leave a message feature. So please, if you guys want to call in, or please call in. Um, it's really easy. Just go. You can find it on Twitter. Go to our our anchor page, and there's a really nice button there that says leave a message. You just record your message. Um, it sends us sends it straight to us in an email, and it's really easy for us just to put it on the podcast and hear what you guys have to say and uh, respond to it. And so uh, we've got our first one, and I say that to say um, be looking. Be familiar with it and be looking to call in because we, we've we got a, an idea for a future show that is really going to involve the fans, you guys, uh, using that feature. So here's our first one, and uh, yeah, thanks for calling in. Hey, guys. This is Mark from Murray, first-time caller, long-time listener. Um, really appreciate your first episode. All of the research, effort, show prep does not go unnoticed. Cannot wait to hear more about racer basketball couple quick questions. One, do you think Murray State football will be a good fit in the Missouri Valley? There's uh, definitely some long road trips possible there. Would they be a better fit in the A-Sun? Secondly, would Murray State ever, ever consider splitting their basketball and football between two different conferences? Wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Lastly, cannot wait to hear Logan Foster's uh, series on sports gambling. Can't wait to hear his best bets. And as soon as I hear those bets, I will be fading every single one of them. Can't wait for the next episode, guys. Thanks. Oh, appreciate that call in, Mark. Uh, Mark, just so you know, it's it's not completely anonymous, so we, we know who you are. Logan, shots fired at you. What do you have to say? Yeah, yeah. let me buddy, take Mark? this one. Let me take <laughs> this one. So um, I mentioned on the last podcast that I have no history with gambling. Um especially sports gambling. So this is all new to me. I'm learning. I've been told that I will have a Logan's lock of the week in the future. And so I'm trying to learn. Uh, I've been told like spread is a thing and all sorts of stuff. So I'm trying to pick up that before the season starts. I'm going to research a lot coming in the coming month. Um, I would say it was, it is a smart financial decision to fade. I, that's a, a term that I've picked up. I, I think it means to go against whatever I say. And so, um, Mark, thank you for calling in. I would advise you to to fade me, and uh, I'll, I'll update you guys with the Logan's Lock of the Week. And uh, I, I really appreciate you calling in and shining light on this future segment of the show. I love it. I love it. That's going to be really fun during basketball season. 
because um, we're going to be wrong a lot, uh, and maybe we're right occasionally. Logan's lock of the week before we move on. You got anything for us for uh, college football or NFL this weekend? Any locks? How about the, the racers? Uh, I'm going to plead the fifth and say I'm still learning. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, Mark, thanks for calling in. A uh, couple questions you had. Is football a good fit for the Missouri Valley Football Conference? Um, I know that's been a huge topic of discussion with this whole conference realignment question with the Missouri Valley. Obviously, obviously basketball fits in. Perfect. Uh, what do you do with football? I'm going to argue yes. I know there's a couple long road trips, North Dakota State, stuff like that is a long way, probably, probably a flight, but that's maybe once a year. You probably don't even play them at home every year, I would say. Uh, so it's, it's a once every other year kind of thing. And in our recent history with the Missouri Valley, uh, I did a little bit of research. We haven't played a ton of Missouri Valley football conference schools. But we played SIU, I believe, two years ago, and, and we, we put up a good fight up there. It wasn't a blowout. The last couple of times we played Missouri State, we, we beat Missouri State. Uh, so I, to me, I think there's two echelons of Missouri Valley football conference schools. You've got your North Dakota States that win the national championship every year. And then you've got your SIUs, your Missouri uh, Missouri States. You've got uh, Indiana States and, and people like that. So uh, I don't think we have to compete with North Dakota every year. Uh, but I think very easily we could be competitive with the schools that we, we would play around, especially with Dean Hood at the, at the helm. I have a lot of faith in him just in what he's done the last couple of years. I don't see them ever splitting up football and basketball. I don't think that's great for the university, but that's just my personal opinion. Sawyer, what do you think? I mean, if you want to be successful in all fronts, you've got to have a <clears throat> higher investment in football, which we've already seen that they're looking to do and that they've proven that they will do. So uh, to be able to be successful in the Missouri Valley is going to require, you know, a massive investment on top of um, what it's already taken to get um, from, you know, from the middle of the pack in the OBC to the top of the OBC. Um, and so, that's, that's really what I think there. As far as the splitting up of the conferences, I guess it's no fun if we all agree on everything. So I guess I'll go against Blake a little bit here um, in, in just a counter argument. It's just that I think it needs to be explored um, because if it's if it's feasible for where we can stay in a conference that we can win a championship every single year in football, I definitely think that that needs to be explored because I think that entering the Missouri Valley uh, is a whole nother animal than what we were, we've experienced in the past, especially in the OBC. Um, so if there's a way to make that work, I think that um, I don't feel like we have to do one way or the other. I think we should do what's best for Murray State. So if there is an option, then I think we should explore it. That's all I've got. All right. I'll take I'll take the dissent. I'll take the dissent. Uh, Mark, thanks again for calling in. If anybody else has any questions they want to pose to us, please do the same thing Mark did and we will get to you on the next podcast. All right, moving on to everyone's favorite topic. I know we've it's been a long episode, so thank you for sticking around and listening. Hashtag Saw Selection. We got a lot of engagement on Twitter after after it last week, and I think we're going to keep firing with these great topics. So this week's Saw Selection, with the schedule being the big topic of this episode, um, a so-so home home schedule, non-conference home schedule, uh, I would say. What is your guys' favorite 
home game in recent memory. Logan, what is your favorite home game in recent memory? Yeah, I may get in trouble for this one, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. This game actually um, was at the North Branch of the CFSB Center (laughs) up in Evansville. It was the 2019 OVC Championship game. And there's going to be people that say, that's not a home game. (laughs) Yes, it was. Okay. Yes, it was. There was over 10,000 in attendance. I would say 9,000 fans from Murray. Um, That's more that can, that's more people that can fit in the CFSB center. Mm -hmm. We have a bar across the street from the stadium that is like designated on that weekend to Murray state. We, all the other OBC schools complain, say, oh, it's not fair that we have it in Evansville. It needs to be in a central location where we can all attend. That's a shot at us because we bring our entire crowd. It's a home game. It is CFSB North. When you have Larry Fitzgerald in the crowd, Magic Johnson was there, Rob Palinka, all to witness John Morant, and we win in awesome fashion. And then you see Jonathan Stark running circles around the, the court, holding the <laughs> Murray State flag. It doesn't get any better than that, guys. That's my that's my favorite home win that we have had recently. Love it. I, I, I don't go more than three months without watching that game at least once. So, I mean, it's it's a favorite of mine as well. Love it, Logan. Great pick. Someone who actually does work at CFSB North, the Baking Center, actually in Murray. You know, I love that too. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. So I'm going to go a little different route than most people think. We ended up losing this game that I'm going to pick. Uh, and we've already talked about it in this episode, but I'm going to pick the Auburn home game. Uh, and you guys that have, I know you guys on the podcast with me and people out there listening – when you walk into an arena, when you walk into a professional basketball game, a playoff hockey game, an NFL game, you walk in and there's just a different buzz in that facility. There's a different feeling, a different it, – it's hard to explain. You just know you're at a big-time sporting event, and to me, I mean, we grew up going to games at the bank – when you're playing, dang, I knew I took shots at him last week, but when you're playing SIU Edwardsville at the bank, you, you don't have that buzz. I mean, it's special anytime we get to witness the racers, but you don't have that buzz that you get when you go. Uh, when I lived in Houston, I went to the um, the AL Championship Series, Red Sox versus you know Houston Astros. That's the kind of buzz you get when you go to a big game like that. And to me, you got that kind of buzz at the Auburn game. You had a top 25 Auburn program coming in with Bruce Pearl with some future NBA players, and we gave them a heck of a fight. It was a great freaking game that was on national television that showcased the racers, showcased Murray, Kentucky, and I just, I literally was on the edge of my seat, if not standing up the entire game, Um, and it just, just had that special feeling for me. And it's the same feeling you get at the OVC championship game um, that you mentioned, Logan. And it's the uh, the same feeling you get that I know what Sawyer is going to say. 
uh, because he picked it first in the group message over both of us. But <laughs> it's the same feeling you get at that game as well. Uh, so that that's my favorite one, even though it didn't turn out all all hunky dory for the racers. But as always, yeah. Saw Selection, wrap it up for us. Well, I was going to talk about your game a little bit more. I think Logan was talking about it too. I got the stat sheet in front of me. I mean, from that game, and um, it, it it's just it's just remarkable. Like Auburn played out of their minds as well. I mean, they shot mm-hmm. 40, 45 percent from the field. They shot ninety percent from the free throw line. Um, wow. at fifteen to seventeen. So they literally took an A game from them to knock us off. And you're talking about hello, hello, Murray. Murray State in the national in the nationals eyes, but hello John Morant. That is whenever the John Morant hype train officially took off because he played out of his mind. Um, you know, great game from Terrell Miller, great game from Jonathan Stark. One of the absolute worst travel calls I've ever seen um, in in a game, and I think I yelled at that ref for like two minutes straight. Um, John, <laughs> Jonathan Stark came off a high screen. It was like a two or three steps inside the three point line on the right side of the court. I still remember it exactly where it was. They said he took an extra step, buried a mid range jumper that would have put us up by one or down by one, and just took the air out of the place. And um, but we should have won that game, man. Great game, Blakely. I love that. Yeah, and if I can mention, I distinctly distinctly remember I was at Culver's before, and it <laughs> kind of the same the same feeling as the OVC tournament when everybody's dressed in Murray State gear, and you're like, I've never seen half of these people before, and we go to all the games, and yeah. people were coming out of the woodwork to cheer on the racers because we were playing Auburn. Yeah, and. It, like you guys said, it, it was a coming out party for Ja. Terrell and Jonathan had a great game. Um, I always remember Jared Harper for Auburn. It was just a fantastic Fabulous. player. Thanks. Just a, a really fun game. And thanks to Bruce, Bruce Pearl for um, actually having the balls to schedule that. Because most Power 5 schools, doesn't, they don't want to come to Murray State and play. And I remember seeing on Twitter after that game, how their fans were saying that that was like the most fun atmosphere they had been in for a road game mm-hmm. in a long time. And mm-hmm. knowing that they play at all sorts of SEC schools, all sorts of power five schools. And they said that about Murray state just shows how great our tradition is and how much we care. Yep. Bruce Pearl, noted listener of the show. Thanks for, uh, thanks for Absolutely. scheduling. Thanks for scheduling the racers. Okay. Now, we can finish it up. Hashtag Saw Selection with Saw Selection of the Week. Hey, I just want to say great topic, great question. Don't know who came up with it, but I just love it. Um, <clears throat> mine is probably the number one in every every racer fan's eyes in recent memory, even if you're just a casual fan. And that game happened February 18th of 2012 um, in, a, in a part of a series that I wish was still going on and that yeah. – would never cease and would include every team from every conference. And that was the bracket buster challenge. Um, just so it just brought so much attention to college basketball because you truly never knew what team was going to play who, where and when. And we, you know, we got this game on ESPN. I remember personally, I, it, well, let me probably tell you what game it was. Murray state versus St. Mary's uh, <laughs> a battle of two uh, top 25 teams at the CF at the CFSB center. Um, I arrived. That's the RSEC, right? Was it RSEC at the time? Yeah, or? but it's the CFSB Center now, so okay. we'll, we'll keep yeah. it there. Um, <laughs> Thanks to our sponsor, uh, CFSB. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great investment. Um, but 
I personally arrived four hours early to the game. I got there at one o'clock um, and went as soon as they would let me in. And I was not the first person there. I was like the 150th person there. Students camped out overnight for that game. Um, the line wrapped all the way to the wellness center. Um, and it's just it's just remarkable. I mean, I remember getting there early to get a picture with a lot of our, our friends and a lot of listeners of the show now um, with Dickie V um, and even even his assistant, who was the stump the Schwab guy um, who I was a big fan of the show uh, back back in the day. That was his assistant who was there. And, you know, just with you talking about the epitome of what was racer basketball as a dream for us back in 2012. I mean that we were all still in high school at that point. Bracer basketball was life and it was just such a fun, such a fun game. And, you know, the place just absolutely exploded when we took it to them. Um, that St. Mary's team, you know, very well coached. Um, and then they had a star, Matthew Delavadova, who still had a great night. Um, but a great game from Isaiah Cannon, five of eight from three. Um, great game from everybody. Ed Daniel, big big time blocks. Ivan Askell worked their bigs in the post. Um, Dante Poole played great. Juwan Long was who he always was, playing great defense and getting um, great baskets inside. And you even saw a lot of great play from Zay Jackson. And that game propelled them to um, what should have been a Sweet 16 run. So, um, yeah. It was an awesome time. Um, it'll be a game that is, you know, remembered forever in racer fans' minds. And Austin, as an Osh, as an Osh guy, I believe the Osh department recorded the the decibel levels in the arena, and it was the highest recorded ever in a for a sporting event of all time. And that happened in our backyard, in our in our house. So um, just a lot of pride from that game. But guys, what are your memories from that game? You're, you're exactly right, Sawyer. Uh, they actually published that paper in, uh, in a journal, and so that's why those department did, and that's why it was a uh, – that's why they can claim that because no one else has officially done that in a peer-reviewed journal. But uh, this isn't an OSH podcast. Uh, <laughs> it is a racer basketball podcast, and luckily it's not a uh, – a, uh, what I want to say, a police podcast because I've got a story about that game that – Hopefully the statute of limitations is run out on. So I got there also four hours early, at least, probably more. And uh, noted listener of the show, I know because he tweeted at us, John Ramey at the time was running stats from the press table up to from where they printed the stats in the uh, side by the uh, by the floor up to the press table upstairs. And that was his job because they had to move all the press upstairs to create room. And so he was able to get in with his press pass through the loading dock um, at level D or whatever, or column D. And so I snuck in with Ramey, uh, passed all security, passed everybody all before the game, um, many, many hours before the game. And the first thing I remember walking in, we walked through the tunnel, walk out to the floor, and there is a Dante Poole shooting free throws with Dick Vitale. And, of course, Poole's knocking him down. And Dick Vitale walks up. He's like, let me let me get one. Let me get one. And, of course, Dante Poole's like, yeah, obviously, of course. And so there's Dickie V just hitting free throws pregame. And I'm standing like, I don't know, 20. I mean, I'm on the baseline right under the goal. And uh, so we ended up going over. Uh, once he gets done with that, he, he heads over to the – to where he's sitting at and i mean there may be the racer bands there the team's out taking shoot around there might be 30 people in the arena and it's just like me and john ramey and dick vital and he's super cool 
Sawyer, who was the guy who did the play-by-play that game? I think he did Cardinals broadcast as well. Um, I cannot remember his name. I thought maybe you would you could pull that out, but I talked to that guy for like 20 minutes, and he was, of course, everybody's talking to Dick Vitale, and he does ESPN broadcast, I think, still, but he was like the Cardinals Fox Sports broadcaster, I believe, and uh, he was super cool. He's like, man, y'all got a great, you know, great thing going here, obviously, and uh, like he said, we we took it to St. Mary's and really made a. Uh, really made a statement that year on national TV. So uh, hopefully they can't get me for sneaking into a Murray State game early, getting a picture with Dick Vitale. But like you said, that's been going on 10 years ago, and hopefully hopefully nobody from, from the athletic department listens to this and takes away my tickets. Logan? Yeah, that was actually going to be my game, and I didn't tell you guys, um, but I switched it today actually. Um, and not so much from that game, but from that era, I will say that through, even through the campaign years, through the Jonathan Stark and John Morant years, I don't think there's ever been as much fun for me as a racer fan as watching a crowded bank, close game in the second half and Isaiah Cannon comes down and we're on a 6-0 run or something and he just buries a 28 foot three <laughs> and you look over at the opposing bench their coach has his hands on his face and he's begging for a timeout <laughs> and the game's just over the, the bank's going crazy those I think are going to be the moments that I cherish most about um, this awesome run that we've had um, just the crowds we had back then were just unmatched. And yeah, you, you, I agree you, with you guys. You guys can see me. I've almost got a tear in my eye thinking about those. <laughs> oh, because, I mean, and, and you're, you're so right. It gives you chills. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, the game I was thinking of back in that same season was after Ivan Aska actually messed his hand up. He, he did something. I believe it was his hand. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, we had a sellout yeah. crowd. And he wasn't Ed Daniel. He wasn't Isaiah Cannon. Those were the two guys that got the most publicity. He was a guy that came and just worked hard and did his job, knew his role, and could produce day in and day out. And he checked in one game. It was his first game back, and the entire crowd stood up and gave him a standing ovation. And that was, like, one of the coolest moments for me. I still get chills thinking about it. But um, just showing you how much – when players give their all to Murray State, how much it means to us and, and how much we appreciate it. Man, I know we weren't able to go to many games last year, but, man, I'm fired up to get back in the bank this year. I don't know about <laughs> you guys, but especially yeah. after Logan's monologue there, I I am ready. Yeah, for sure. Lots of special memories. Um, and, hey, Saul, that was a great selection. So, uh, like we did last week, we're going to tweet out – this week's Saul selection. I'm sure your guys's uh, your guys's picks are gonna probably mirror ours, but hey, maybe you've got a maybe you've got another one. We left a lot a lot of good ones on the table in the John Moran era and the campaign era. There's a lot of good games there. Shoot, I know we said recent memory, but let's hear some let's hear some home games from the Racer Arena era uh, era the the times that we were too young to remember. So let us know whatever and uh, 
yeah, we love to we love to read the tweets and what what all the other racer fans have to say. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess in closing, just want to thank everybody for listening this week. Uh, we've had an awesome time putting the podcast together, and we're so thankful that you guys enjoy. Hopefully, this will just grow, and hopefully, we can just be better for you all um, each week. Um, just wanted to reiterate one final thing. Just make sure everybody um, we want we want to be engaged with you. We want this to be a community type feel. We want to drive the conversation that is racer basketball. So, like Austin mentioned earlier, we want to get you all involved. Um, we want you guys to call in because eventually, we want you to kind of be the center of an episode coming up soon. So, I'm just excited and, and you know just want to thank you so much, Logan. Yeah, um, it's been a lot of fun interacting with you guys over the past week and. This is our first podcast that any of us have ever done. We're still learning. We're going to get better. <laughs> um, but we're sure having a lot of fun right now. And uh, the growing pains aren't aren't so bad. So um, we really appreciate you guys listening and, and hope you all are having as fun as we are, as much fun as we are. Yeah, thanks, Logan, for sure. It's uh, We're just having fun with it. Cut us some slack. It's not going to be perfect. Um, but like you said, it's, it's just been really fun for us. We're going on a two hour and 15 minute Skype call. And so I know this is going to be a long podcast. So appreciate those of you who stuck around. Uh, I know at least two of my fiance and my mother have made it this far in the, in the broadcast. So, uh, thank, thanks to the two listeners. Hopefully a couple more made it this far. <laughs> so anyways, that wraps up this week's episode. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Go racers. Go racers. Thank you, Miss Diane. Go racers.